So welcome everybody, whether you're live or live stream, I see the kids are already running out, making their way out, but welcome live or live stream everybody, and it's great to have everybody here, and as you already heard, we'll be doing communion today, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8 to get ready for that, if you're using the green Bible on the way in, it's page 914, 914, okay? And the title is perfect for this week, How God Shakes and Wakes Us Up. How God shakes and wakes us up, Acts chapter 8, 1 to 4. Boy, anybody get woke up this week, you know? Lots of floods and tornadoes and all kinds of things, all kinds of things, right? Lots and lots of crazy stuff. But speaking of waking up, um, it reminded me of when I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I remember my very first church and the first trip we took, we took a, a bu- busload or two busloads, I can't remember, it was a mob of kids, took them to Florida for a trip. And we took these bu- the busload of teens there, and the senior pastor went along because uh, he wanted to help out, but he really just wanted to have fun. You know, he loved to have a good time, so he went to help out. And so we, they, we stayed in this community center, <clears throat> and it had two big rooms. One room the girls slept in, the other room the boys slept in. And it was this big community center, and uh, the, the first night, laid down to go to sleep, and the pastor's here, and I'm here. And I start to go to sleep, and he starts snoring. He, this guy could snore. It sounded like a, a, a seal in labor. You know, it was just un, you know unbelievable. <clears throat> and it's just like snoring, snoring, snoring. And so I didn't get much sleep. So the next night, you know, I'm like, I'm going to move a little further. So I moved to like about a quarter of the room away. And he goes, Why, where are you going? Stay over by, you know, where you know, this is the pastor's sleep. You know, I'm like, I'm moving over here, you know, and uh and I still, he still could hear him all night long, waking me up, snoring, snoring. And, and I just couldn't. And finally, finally, the third night, I'm exhausted. I'm with, you know, 70 teenagers in Florida running all over the place, right? Exhausted. And I'll never forget the next night. I went all the way over across the room. It's all the farthest I could get away from. I was just exhausted. I got to sleep. And, it, and I was so tired. I could still hear him snoring in the distance, but it was far enough away. I fell asleep and I fell into a, a deep, deep sleep. All right. I was just exhausted. <clears throat> I finally fell in this deep sleep and I woke up the next morning and he was a little bit peeved at me. I'm like, wow. What is he mad at me? I had to move away. You know, I got to get my sleep. You could just tell he was angry. You know, he's going to give me the, the, you know, the passive aggressive treatment. And uh, so I was like, what, what's going on? And he goes, thanks for all your help last night. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yo, sure, like you don't know. I go, no, I don't know. And it turns out <clears throat> during the night there was a train track about 100 no, no, about 100 feet. You could see right just outside the building there was a train track, and the train would go by. And the train, there was a vehicle stuck on the track, something like that, and it hit the, the, the vehicle, and, and it was a big thing. And, and the, the fire trucks all came, and the police trucks all came, the, the flashing, flashing, flashing. And the kids all went running to the window, and they're watching what was going on out the windows, you know. And, and there was some local peeping Toms who came along and saw there was a room full of girls there, and they started peeking in the windows. And the girls, for a reason, out, they came running, screaming into the boys' room. And now, understand, I was sleeping right by the door. They had to step over me. They had to step over me. They would come running, screaming into the room, over me, screaming. It was just bedlam, pandemonium, crazy, crazy, crazy. And I never heard a thing. 
That's how tired I was. I was exhausted. I finally convinced him I didn't hear anything. I didn't. So he forgave me. Uh, uh, you know. So he finally. I finally convinced him, and I said, "Besides, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You snore like a walrus. You know, being harpooned. You know, you snore. You know." And uh, and so I blamed it on him, and that was that. The, <clears throat> the same thing can happen to us spiritually, can it? We can fall into a very deep sleep spiritually and God has to wake us up and it takes a lot sometimes. Sometimes he can nudge us. Sometimes he's got to really, you know, really do something to really wake us up. Right. And we're going to see what he uses in Acts chapter nine with the church in Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for everybody that you've allowed to be here. And also, I know some that can't be here today, but they're watching. I just thank you that they're able to connect with us uh, online. Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Prepare us for communion and also prepare us to fulfill our, our purpose. And if anybody's listening to that that is, has never woke up, they're just in a, a coma because they're not even a Christian yet. I pray that today would be the day they put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so four verses. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. <clears throat> now, we just saw Stephen was stoned, right? We saw that last time, and this is connected. Verse 1, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Wow. This is what is called, I call this positive persecution. Why? Why? Because uh, God was using it for a positive reason. You see, we have to back up. Remember Acts chapter 1, verses 7 to 8, when Jesus gave him a, a commission? This isn't the Great Commission, Matthew 28. It's a commission of Acts 1, where, where Jesus said, uh, It is not for you know, to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive I'm, I'm, uh, you will receive power. Thank you, power. When the thank you, power. I'm mixing up the Great Commission with this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. You're gonna. These are the steps. Jerusalem. Then you got to get out to Judea and Samaria, and then you get to get to the ends of the earth. And that was what they were called to do. They were commissioned to take the gospel to the whole world, but they got sleepy. They got comfortable. They caught, remember in Acts chapter 2, they, the, the believers were having such a great time together. They dedicated themselves to the, the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The fellowship, they, they, they got involved in fellowship. The word fellowship in Greek is koinonia. koinonia thank you, koinonia. But they caught koinonitis. <laughs> That's right, they caught koinonitis. They, they were enjoying the koinonia so much that they got koinonitis. They just enjoyed it and didn't want to leave it. They just wanted to all stay together and have this beautiful, and it was an awesome, beautiful time. But they, they forgot about what their purpose was. They got stuck. They, they didn't want to leave Jerusalem. Nobody, want, nobody did. They didn't leave Jerusalem. They stayed put. And this happens to churches and Christians all the time, doesn't it? All the time. 
Uh, we get comfortable and we lose our focus. We get stuck within the four walls of the church. We get this inward focus and we lose our evangelistic zeal. You can see it in the life of every church, including ours. Uh, you can see it. The same thing happens in a church. It, that's why our church, uh, New Hope Community Church, hasn't pursued a building. We almost did. We dipped our toe in the water. Remember, we almost bought a building and we were there about six months and it changed us. We stopped having an outward focus. And I remember thinking, we're really not supposed to be here. And everybody felt the same way. And ever since then, we've been like, well, we're just going to trust God and, and go wherever we can. And thank God he's provided this place now, too. Right. And, but but it's 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 keeping the Great Commission and keeping Acts 1 commission is very hard. It's very, very hard. But we have to keep that focus. Even without a building, it's hard for us. We have to keep that focus. We'll talk about more about that later. The New Testament church had koinonitis. They were stuck. They're not fulfilling their purpose. And so God solves that problem. He solves that problem. He sends a wake-up call. He sends them persecution. Persecution. And we will see in the Bible, as we go through the Bible, the rest of Acts, we're going to see it throughout the Bible, throughout the book of Acts and the New Testament, and we're going to see, we see throughout church history that one of God's main, most effective tools for waking people up and getting the Great Commission fulfilled and, and developing a holy church is persecution persecution we see it over and over in acts we see it in church history the roman persecutions following the book of acts lasted 300 years and and by the end of those 300 years there was uh, the, the gospel was being spread all over the place it was unbelievable in fact at the, the end of that 300 years that was the largest percentage of christians in the world not the most but but Based upon the population, it was the largest percentage of Christians ever in history was the end of that 300 years. And the devil finally got some money. He said, I'm going to quit persecuting them. Can't beat them, join them. That's a whole other story, right? But, but that, you know, that, that put the brakes on. But persecution is, is, is amazing tool. We hear so much about China in the news today. But China has many, many Christians. Uh, uh, they're up to about 100 million Christians now. And why do they have 100 million? Well, there was a time when they only had one million, when all the missionaries were there and, and, and everything was, you know, they were doing their whole mission thing. There were about a million Christians. And then God sent the communists to persecute the church. They imprisoned or killed the pastors. And they, they bulldozed the churches. And the church went underground. And because of that, Back when they went back in, back when the missionaries were finally allowed to go back in, I can't remember when it was, 1970, 80, wherever, uh, they finally were allowed to go back in, and they were just hoping there were a few Christians left. Because what could they do without the American missions, the American churches to help out, right? What could they do? Uh, what could they do without the Western churches? And they go back in, and they were stunned. At that time, they found 70 million Christians. Shocking. Now it's up to at least 100 million. It dwarfs the Communist Party, bigger than the Communist Party. That's why they're persecuting them. That's why they're still bulldozing churches and arresting pastors. You probably see it on CNN all the time. It's always being reported. Uh, <laughs> voice of the martyrs, 
open door ministries, these kinds of ministries. Uh, uh, Terry Noble has the, the persecution unveiled on our website. That's where you're going to find out what's going in China, and it's unbelievable what's going on. The persecution and the evangelism. And was, is the USA next? Is God going to finally wake up the U.S.? We'll see. And like China, the church in Acts no longer had their leaders. They were, they were in Jerusalem. God didn't didn't send them out. Eight, chapter 8, uh, verse 1, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They didn't, the apostles weren't scattered. The church was, but they stayed in Jerusalem. God kept the apostles in Jerusalem so that there would be a, a, a to face the music. <laughs> They're all going to be, all going to be martyred. Except for John, they couldn't quite kill him, so they, you know, put him out on an island, right? Uh, but they, they had to face the music, and also they had, were still central leadership there. But also we know why God did it. It's because he was going to grow the believers. And in order to grow them and show them what their true purpose was, they couldn't lean on the apostles anymore. He was going to show what the apostles had done, what the kind of job that they had done. For, they had done their job. In fact, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12 says what it is. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. What are the apostles, pastors, evangelists, shepherds, teachers? What is our job? Not to do the job, right? Our job is to prepare you to do the job. And so many Pastors just do the job and don't prepare their people. And so many people want to just be, you know, the, you want to be handed the baby bottle every time they come to church. And you know, you, some churches you go and you can hear the sucking sound as soon as you start to preach, you know. They're just you know, sucking in that milk, you know. They don't want the meat. No, no chewing. Just all sucking sound, you know. That's all you can hear. And, and that's, that's what the American church is. A bunch of suckers. Well, anyway, I gotta, did I say that? Anyway, uh, yeah, not not us. Thank you. Not us. Not us. Not us. That's that's. But God, our job is to prepare you to do the job. Our job, our, my job, and all pastors, all ministry people is to prepare you to fulfill your purpose, your spiritual purpose. And it's exciting to see God working and so many of you ministering and using your gifts. And it's exciting to see Matthew and Joshua going out in the ministry soon. We won't be seeing them much longer. They're going to be heading out. That's exciting. But listen, it, it's that that's exciting. But really, you all have that call. Every person in this room, every person who's listening to this online, watching this, uh, you, we all have that call. I, I my hope and, and goal, and I know Chuck Harrison, the same thing, and, and different, you know, everybody is to send you out into your mission field. I, you, it's, it's your job to, to go into that mission field. Look at verse 4, uh, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, what it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Wherever They preached wherever they went. That's our job. That's our call. That's our purpose. I'm just one pastor. I'm just one guy. I preach my sermon. Yeah, it's posted on YouTube in different places, and you can watch it. Uh, it's, it's posted, uh, and, and, I, and, I, uh, and I witness in my own circles. I, you know, Kim and I are in the community. We're witnessing all the time. But the real impact is when 
We all go out. We all go out and share it and live out the gospel. That's the whole goal. And that just multiplies it. It just explodes when that happens. And that's why I encourage people to go with, with Chuck Harrison and to go out with Terry Noble with the, with, the, with the pro-life stuff and just be out there praying and just see what's going on and just kind of like catch it. Just like you can catch coronavirus, you can catch the evangelistic virus, right? Yeah, you can catch it, you know, just be out there catching that. Very, very important. Okay, are we stuck spiritually? Is anybody here stuck spiritually? Don't raise your hands. Anybody stuck spiritually? What is God using to shake us up, to wake us up? It may be a sickness. It may be suffering. It might be jobs. It might be money. It might be the effects of coronavirus. It might be coronavirus itself. It might be whatever. Could be. And my point is, it could be anything. And the church in the United States definitely needs a wake-up call, right? We see persecution is starting here already. You have to be blind, not, spiritually blind, not to see it. God is going to shock us. He's going to shock us. I've been praying for revival for years, preaching revival for years. And, and there's pockets of you know, growth for sure, but the American church is dead. It needs, to be, it needs to be shocked into waking up, just like the China church, right? It needs to be shocked. I know on the farm, I've talked about this, we had these, these zappers, you know, these, uh, these, when the cows couldn't get them up, they, they were sick or they didn't want to get up or there was some issue and we had to get them up. We didn't get them up, they were going to die. A cow would get mastitis, that's a, that's a milk problem, and they, they get mastitis and, and they couldn't get up and we knew if we don't get them up, they're dead. Might as well just dr- hook a chain around their neck and drag them out of the barn. That's what we do with the dead cows. And I said, they're dead. And so we had this, this electrical instrument. We called it the zapper, the shocker. And it, what's that? Hot shot. shot. Thank you. Hot shot. Well, they had these two prongs on it and you'd hit it and you could see the electricity going between the two prongs. And we go up to the cow and we give it a, you know, on its rump. Uh, you know, we had different words in the farm, but anyway, a rump and, you know, we shock it and, and it, and it would get up. But if it wouldn't get up, we'd have to go to another sensitive spot. We'd put it on the neck, you know, on the, on the neck. We'd, and it had to keep finding more sensitive spots and more zapping. And, and fi- usually they finally get up and then they were fine. But we had to get them up because if we didn't get up, they were dead. And that's what we have in the U.S., yeah? Well, I thought I saw a, a zap, zapper, another zapper story. All right. So the, 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 the church in America... Half is dead, is almost dead, almost dead, and it better wake up. And I believe God is going to send the zap, the real shock, to wake us up. God may send us, might send you somewhere or to someone where you don't want to go, somewhere you don't want to go, and He might use the where you go in a way that you don't like. I was thinking about St. Patrick. Well, you know St. Patrick's story? He was uh, living a horrible life. He wasn't a Christian. And God sent slave traders from Ireland, kidnapped him, took him to Ireland, and, and kept him as a slave in Ireland. And then he became a Christian as a slave in Ireland. He finally escapes. He gets back. And uh, England came back to England. And then God called him back to Ireland as a minister. As a missionary. And huge impact. Huge impact. 
But yet, that's what God did to St. Patrick. God may do the same to us. He might take us somewhere we don't want to go in a way we don't want to go. But keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. God has a purpose. He has a plan. God might use God will use positive persecution. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Look what he used. Uh, what it, look what he told Peter in John 21, 18 to 19. In John 21, he tells Peter, he said, I tell you the truth. When you are younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. I hope you've been listening to the Daniel Revelation series that I did. What in the world is going on? Or or making sense of this crazy world, I think is the title I gave it. I hope you've been listening to that. Because boy, is there warning after warning in God's word. Revelation 13, 9 and 10. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness. On the part of the saints. On the part of the saints. The storm is coming. The storm is coming. The spiritual hurricane. The spiritual tornadoes. Can any of you connect the dots to what I'm saying? (laughs) Are coming. The Bible says you sow the wind and reap the whirlwind in Amos. You sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. This country is going to reap the whirlwind. and, And with God's judgment... There will also be an attack on the Christians. When God judges a country, they always attack the Christians, the the children of God. And the Christians and the Jews are going to be attacked. They're already blaming us for everything. They're already blaming us for COVID. It's the evangelicals. They're blaming us for, you know, they're calling us homegrown uh, uh, Taliban terrorists. And nobody's getting fired for calling us terrorists. You know, there's no, you know, can you imagine saying that about another group? But they're saying about Christians that we're homegrown Taliban terrorists. It, 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 and, and now, just as I warn, the abortion wars have begun. The abortion wars, the, 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 the abortion wars have begun just like I warned. Uh, this Texas heartbeat bill in the Supreme Court so far decision, I think is going to result at some point in Roe versus Wade being overturned. And, but, but this is all part of God's dividing this country just like the civil war he is going to divide this country we we are going to be exploding here and i always said it's always been about abortion that is the just like slavery was was the was the foundation of it abortion is god these evils like abortion like slavery that is what god will judge and it's coming and and we see our our faithful catholic president biden uh you know showing his true colors like we needed help seeing them right all my catholic friends are 
furious. I'm talking about the real Catholics, friends, are, are furious. Uh, he's showing his true color. Uh, and then look, watch what's happening. Arizona, the plan, the head of Planned Parenthood in Arizona, what they, what, uh, she, I think it was a she, I just saw the, what she was saying, said that it's time for the, the, uh, the, the supporters of abortion to riot and to burn things down. She didn't use the word things. Oh no, start burning. It worked before. It worked last summer. It's going to work. That's their plan. Riot and burn things down. That is, connect the dots. See where this is going. See where, see what just happened. What's going to happen. Connect the dots. And the anger in this whole abortion war is aimed at Christians. The evangelicals are the problem. They're the Taliban. They're the problem. Just like the Christian abolitionists were hated before the Civil War by both sides. Hated. We are hated. The Christian abolitionists today trying to abolish abortion, trying to save lives. Think about it. We, we want to save lives and we're hated for trying to save babies from being killed. I love the Babylon Bee. They, if you don't read the Babylon Bee every morning, you are missing it. But that, they just had a great, I just read the headline. All you got to read is the headlines. But they said, uh, re, uh, rever, uh, uh, underground railroad in reverse is being set up. They're going to smuggle babies out of Texas so they can kill them. Isn't that the truth? It's the truth. And, and, and the Christians, Christians are the ones, they are openly talking about putting us in concentration camps. Oh, no, I'm sorry, re-education camps. They're openly talking about it. And the people promoting it aren't losing their jobs. They're not being attacked. They're not, and nothing. People are like, yeah, yeah, okay. They're, they're, listen, if you've never studied history, you've never studied Nazi Germany, you, you can see where this is going. This is where this is going. It's all being set up. And, and, we should not be shocked. I'm not shocked. You should not be shocked. You've been hearing me preach. If you listen to Daniel Revelation, you heard me preach to Elijah and Elisha. You know where this is going. The same place it went for Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. We know this, this is where it was going. Remember, but remember during this time that God has a plan. God has a plan. Acts chapter 8, which we just read, positive persecution. Remember I mentioned China? Remember I mentioned China? China, when the communists took over China, they got rid of the pastors. I already talked about that. They got rid of the churches, but they didn't know what to do with these million Chinese believers. And so they took them. And they decided if they could isolate them, they could wipe them out. And so they took the Chinese believers and they isolated them. They, they had a rule, only one Christian per commune in China. They set up all these communist communes. Only one Christian per commune. So they moved them. They put them on trains and moved them all over China. <laughs> Scattered them over the whole China. God spread the revival at the Chinese government expense. They paid, they paid for the train tickets. And the opposite happened. Christianity exploded in China. And God does the same. God will be doing the same. 
God, God is going to be doing that here. Positive persecution. Let's connect the dots from Acts chapter 8 to our life here before we get into communion. How is God waking us, shaking us up? When we get too comfortable, nobody here, we get too complacent, God sends storms into our lives. <laughs> you know, our basement floods, our house, the roof leaks, you know, tornadoes. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Send storms into our life. And like the believers in, in Acts 8, he often moves us. Just like the Chinese believers, just like the believers in Acts chapter 8. He often moves us. He sends us to where he wants us. It might be a new school. It might be, might be a new college. It might be a new team. It might be a new neighborhood. It might be a new town, a new job, a new ministry. He does it to, to spread the gospel. He does it to spread the gospel. And it may be a big move. It might, he might move you to another state or even to another country. He might be sending you as a missionary to a, a, another country even. And also, keep this in mind, he may move us at different times so that we will escape judgment. The believers that left Jerusalem, they got out of Jerusalem, most of them, they were not caught in the judgment when the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem. They weren't destroyed. Even the many Christians that became Christians, they read the words of Jesus and they listened to prophetic warnings and they all got out of Jerusalem. When Jerusalem finally fell to the Roman legions, totally destroyed, everybody was wiped out. When that happened, there wasn't one single Christian left in Jerusalem because they obeyed God's call. And God may be working to get Christians out of Jerusalem out of where we are, out of judgment. When we aren't fulfilling God's purpose, God will do something to snap us out of it. Snap us out of it. He has lots of tools in his toolbox. Right? He doesn't limit it to one thing. Think of all the different ways God has gotten our attention in our lives, right? Uh, in our church. God has many different tools. Persecution is just one of them, but his goal is always the same. Romans 13, and this, these words really uh, apply to the United States today. Romans 13, verse 11, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your, our slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The armor of light. That is God's call. And that's what communion is all about. Putting on the armor of light. Getting rid of the deeds of darkness. Holiness. Reconnecting. Wake up and, and live in holiness. And remember to stay close to Jesus Christ. And communion is also a call to salvation. You may not be asleep here. You might be dead. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are dead. Dead, spiritually dead and facing an eternity of spiritual death in hell. But there's communion is a reminder to, to, to share the gospel. It's a reminder that you don't have to stay dead. You can have life right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, giving your life to Jesus Christ. Just as that bread represents the body of Christ and the juice represents the blood of Christ. If you put your faith in his body and blood that was sacrificed on the cross for us. If you will put your faith in what he has done for you and give your life to him, then you can have life. John three sixteen for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? And in just a few moments, we're going to take communion. The worship team will come up and lead us in, in some song, a song and then lead us into communion. But what it is, like I said, the, the bread represents the body of Christ. The, the cup represents the blood of Jesus. And, and, and Todd will lead us through that. And after it's all done, if you need more prayer, our prayer team is always up here. They'll always be up here for more prayer. I know several people already said they need, need prayer today. Come on up after communion. But the, only, if you, the reasons why you shouldn't take communion is, number one, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ, don't take it. The, the Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But I hope you do put your faith in Jesus. You can take it today. The second reason is because there's a sin in our life that we won't repent of. We won't repent of. I'm not saying we struggle because we all struggle with sin, right? If, if you, if, if we wouldn't even have to bother with communion if it was just because of struggle because none of us could take it. But, but if it's something we won't surrender and say, God, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to depend on your mercy and grace. I'm going to keep fighting this. But if it's something you won't surrender, don't take it. Just wait for the next communion. I hope you, I hope, but everybody here can. It's the prayer of surrender. God, I give this to you. I repent of this. I ask for your mercy and grace. I'll tell whoever I have to tell to, to to break the power of this in my life, whatever it takes, because everyone here can commune with Jesus at any time if we'll just surrender our life. I hope everybody does. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never experienced his salvation. You can do that right now. Because of the blood and body of Jesus Christ, you can put your faith in Jesus right now. Because he died on the cross for us, you can put your faith in Jesus right now. The prayer of faith in God's word. So simple and yet so powerful. I repent of all my sin. Everything in my life that goes against your word and your will, God, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Because I have put my faith in Jesus, your son, your one and only son. I put my faith in him, his death in my place. His resurrection to justify me. I put my faith, my hope, my trust in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. My Savior and my Lord. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you can now commune with God the Father any time. Not just on Communion Sunday, but any time. You can commune with Him through His Son, Jesus. You are now connected. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You will never be the same. Your life has been changed unbelievably, and you're in for the shock of your life. You won't believe it. 
You're in for an unbelievable adventure and change in your life. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or a friend. Maybe you have, know someone. Uh, just tell somebody, somebody at work. Tell somebody. Let me know. Tell me on the way out or send me an email. NHCC at Comcast.net. Send me an email. Tell someone so we can be excited for you and help you to grow in your new life in Christ. You can now commune with God any time. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe it's not salvation, but it's waking up. Seeing how God is working in our life. Surrendering. Surrendering our life in every way, including saying, God, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do in my life, whoever you want me to reach, whatever will glorify you. Father, I pray that every one of us would be, our eyes would be open, our hearts would be open, our ears would be open spiritually. Looking for your direction, your leading. Looking for that next person that we can be sharing Jesus with. Praying for those opportunities. And Lord, I pray that when the positive persecution does come to us personally, we will be ready to scatter and share the gospel. We will be ready for it. And we know that only being in close communion with you can help us to do that. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way in this communion time. In Jesus' name, amen.